Welcome to Buffed Up Radio tonight. Glad you all can join us. Your host, Matt Buff, that's me. And the website is rapturetyradio.com. And on the website, you can view a new page we put on called New Christian. This is for people that have just recently came to the faith. There's a lot of information, a lot of Bible verses to help you get started, and a lot of links to former atheists who are now Christians. And so check out that page on rapturetyradio.com. Click the link on the right that says New Christian. You will enjoy that, and we just want to help you grow in your faith. And we're going to continue to do that tonight as we are joined by a very special guest from Lamb and Lion Ministries. This is the web minister there, Nathan Jones. Nathan, welcome to the program. Glad to have you back on. Hey, glad to, glad to be on, Matt. It's good to talk to you again. Well, I hope everything in Texas has been going good for you. Well, you know, we had a, a rash of uh, killer tornadoes come through and uh, picked up tractor trailers and blew them all over the place like they were toy cars and did a lot of damage down south in Forney and uh, in Arlington, where the airport is, but... The Lord spared a lot of people, and uh, we've just been really blessed. That this this time of year it could be far worse in the way of weather, but uh, here in Dallas we've been blessed. Well, that's good. You were able to avoid some of those tornadoes. We've had some listeners write in that, you know, just weren't as fortunate. They they've been very close to the to the action, and this is once again a prophetic year in my eyes because when we have as many natural disasters and we are setting record after record after record on many different things we look around this world and we can look for a imminent and soon return of jesus christ that's for sure oh amen i mean just the heat wave we've had fifteen thousand different records were broken for the heat this year i mean they're getting a freak snowstorm up in new england or even right now which they usually don't get even at the end of april the weather is already going crazy, and I can't imagine what the summer is going to be like with the heat being so high already. So, yeah, I mean, the earthquakes that we've been seeing and the, uh, just the Lord is, is telling us, he's trying to shake us out of our apathy and say, look, look, I'm coming soon. Amen to that. Now, you and I were talking a little bit earlier on Facebook about, um, you know, just how it's been kind of a tough month for Christians just here in the United States. Um, on April 20th, we have the uh, si uh, Day of Silence for the Homosexual Community. We'll get into that here in a second. Also, it was a uh, called Weed Day. April 20th is something that the potheads all over the United States celebrate, although they don't move very quickly when they're celebrating it. <laughs> and then Earth Day. When I was a kid, I don't know about you, Nathan, but Earth Day, it was a cool thing. You'd go out and plant a tree and appreciate your Earth. But now the green police are out in full effect trying to tell you what to do with your life and how to change and make things better so we can save this planet. They're trying to save a planet that they're not in control of. Yes, yes. And then just blame all the problems on global warming. Which is another prominent scientist came out today with an article, and strangely enough it was posted on MSNBC, where he even recounted his book he wrote in 2006 saying I was an alarmist and I shouldn't have been because clearly the situation isn't what I thought it was. Yeah, the whole thing with the global warming, it's a propaganda war really. I mean, one day you read about 49 uh, scientists who come out and say, hey, you know, this global warming thing just doesn't have the scientific evidence. 
and then the next day the, you know, the opposition comes out with an article saying that more Christians and churches are adopting issues about global warming and how to deal with it. So uh, it's definitely a war for the hearts of people. Uh, I, I think it's, it's close to me is that I have a, my youngest son who's uh, eight and he's autistic, and every week there is a new article that comes out by somebody saying that you know this is the reason for for autism. And every week it's something different and it's always agenda based. Like uh, one week it's the mothers are are overweight, they're obese, and therefore you know that's causing global uh, it's causing autism. So we need to do something about that and and get the women to lose weight. And you know it's it's just out of the blue. It makes there's no scientific backing to it, but they can say hey you know this is it helps with the obesity issue or if it's an environment you know if there's a Pesticides. Well, pesticides are getting into our children, therefore we got to get rid of pesticides. I mean, it's just a, it's a shameless how with global warming and all these different issues are just propaganda tools to push people's agendas, and that's what everything is lately. It's, there's no agreement. It's total disregard for uniformity, and everybody's out there with their own agenda and their own thing, and it's just tearing us apart. It is tearing us apart. You're being forced to pick sides, and I know you made a Freudian slip there, but uh, they probably do blame autism for global warming i mean there's nothing else to blame it on so maybe they do but i tell you what when you look at this i had uh, my four-year-old tested for autism and so i know i don't know exactly what you're going through of course and i just have known a little bit about it by the studies but here we have one in 110 children diagnosed with autism in this country and yet I, i've seen the latest results is one in 88 now that's the one that just came out last month. So it's, uh, they've showed a, a continuing trend of every year getting more and more. And for boys, one out of 44. So it is definitely becoming a major issue. And then people are starting to notice it. They're starting that whole idea of survival of the fittest that you get from some parents when it comes to, say, vaccines, for instance, is starting to lessen because it's, it's going beyond that and it's spreading more and more. And so, so your four-year-old tested for autism? Yes, and it came back negative. He has a myriad of issues, okay. but uh, autism was not one of them. I was thankful oh, for that. There's a lot of things that we have to do, though, with him. Um, he has a lot of uh, syndromes and symptoms of things, but, you know, autism is not one of them. And with you, it's and, – and what saddens my heart is we have – so much money going to the lazy in this country, yet autism is the least funded, but yet most affecting the people in this country. It's and yet it's the most it's the least funded. I know funding is starting to pick up for research and things like that. And and you're right, they they don't know where it comes from. Um, I've heard uh, even the reports on, you know, how it could have been vaccines. It. Uh, you know, too many vaccines. So, yes, parents are backing off the vaccines now because they're just not sure. And when you have all these things coming from all over the place, we just look at this. And, and you and I, with children, we're like, we got our hands in the air. We're just like, you know, we got we want to do the best we can for our kids, but it, this country sure is making it tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, as closer we get to the end, we're seeing a breakdown of the human genome, and we're seeing uh, all the medicines that we've got that are supposed to help us prolong our lives. It seems like we're just getting sicker and sicker, and our children are getting poorer and poorer. And I wonder if, if you guys remember that old uh, Michael Keaton movie, uh, was it Multiplicity, where he uh, made the carbon copies of himself. And uh, one of the twin, or one of the carbon copies decided he was going to make a twin, and he made a carbon copy of himself. 
and the, the carbon copy of the carbon copy was really stupid and it couldn't do much. And I'm wondering if the human genome, as we go through time, as we're constantly living under the fall, as we're constantly bombarded by you know, radiation and, and subjected to our own nuclear experiments and food additives, who knows, that the human genome is wearing down. And if the Lord didn't come soon, how far before we have a whole society that genetically is totally broken down? Uh, I don't know for sure, but I, I think the human population won't have much longer until Jesus comes back and lifts the curse partially off during the millennial kingdom and restores the human race to the ages we had before the flood. I think then we'll stop seeing so much deterioration in the human body like we're seeing today, and you know the result being uh, autistic children and, and people that are just sick and a lot of genetic difficulties. Well, that's right, exactly. And you notice throughout history here, and, and once again, you can just look at the United States. Throughout history, the more we turn away from God, the more we get away from eschatology, the more we just put away what we consider old-fashioned and not worthwhile in today's society, the worse the society becomes. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to do a scientific study, you can look just at the economy. The, from the moment we started turning away from God as a country, the, the economic situation has grown worse. And look at where we are today with the president that we have today and the administration that we have today and the morals being tossed out the window with the garbage. Now here we sit at over $20 trillion in accumulated debt. Yes, yes. You know, I've been reading a, a Jonathan Kahn's book, Harbinger. A lot of talk about it, a lot of people trying to see if it's doctrinally and biblically and eschatologically sound. And uh, for me, the jury's still out as I read it. But one thing he makes in a wonderful point, and our ministry has been long preaching about this, is that the judgment of God has fallen on us when instead of repenting when judgment comes on us, we instead turned around and said, we will build stronger walls. We will pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, basically, and, and not heed God's warning. And that's exactly what we did after 9-11. You know, we ended up going this war on terror, which is, you know, it sounded like a noble thing, but it has just drained our bank accounts. Uh, we've lowered the interest rates, which caused everybody to debt spike and have more debt than we know what to do with. And the government, like a bunch of drunken lemurs, is out there spending more money, and we've got trillions of dollars in debt. That's unsustainable, and it will cause a worldwide crash, and we know it has to. It's not a matter of if, but when. And so, again, we're lining ourselves up for judgment on God. Now, if we as a nation, when we receive these judgments, whether it be weather or attacks internally or externally, whatnot, turned and repented towards God, then God would uh, accept us in mercy and forgive us and restore us. And that was a historical pattern for Israel. Every time Israel would uh, rebel against God, God would put a judgment on them. And if they repented, they would have the strength back again. But when they didn't, they continued to get more judgments and more judgments until eventually... God would just wiped his hands of them, and uh, the nation fell apart, like the northern tribes being taken away from the Assyrians. And it's no different for the United States. The United States, we are facing judgment after judgment, and instead of seeking the Lord in repentance like we should, we're seeing the nation collapse economically and morally to the point where it cannot continue to sustain this downward decline. We're going to end up just like Russia was after uh, the Soviet Union collapsed if we continue on this trend. And sadly, as you said, you know, with this, Day of Silence and Earth Day, which is a, you know Earth worshiping basically, and all these different things is is that we're not turning to God. We're turning farther away from God to, than ever, and judgment will continue to come on us until we relent. Well, not only are we turning from God, we are completely medicated and high while doing so. 
Um, let's talk about just the uh, the high day, the weed day, where they talk about this story. Who who celebrates? The observation is shared by marijuana users from San Francisco's Golden Gate Park, shocker there, to New York's Greenwich Village. Last year, some 10,000 people gathered at the University of Colorado to simultaneously smoke marijuana. Where you know there they are. Arrest them. It's illegal. Uh-huh. Now, this year, the university shut down a campus quad that hosts the annual gathering. Organizers said the protest may be moved to a nearby off-campus neighborhood, which could cause clashes between police and protesters. A rally happened in Denver near the state capitol on uh, fr- last Friday and Saturday, and police have suggested that they'll be taking a hands-off approach to the gathering, which could draw tens of thousands of people. And then here's a here's a kicker, and, and this is a, a shame for your home state, but in Austin, Texas, country music legend Willie Nelson, who is a not only an open pothead, uh, but his music tends to lean to the aspect of, yes, this guy is a pothead. Um, he's uh, They're unveiling an eight-foot statue of himself in downtown Austin. Now, they didn't tell us if it was going to be made of uh, copper or car- or uh, cannabis. They just weren't clear on that. That's a big hemp statue. Yes. Uh, well, it's interesting. One of the signs of the end times the Bible talks about, uh, especially during the tribulation, is uh, uh, turning towards magic. And magic, if you go back to the original, is, is pharmacia, where we get our term pharmaceuticals. And a lot of magic is based on using herbs and potions and stuff like that. Basically, it's a drug culture. What we'll see in the end times is a growing, increasing, and accepting of drug culture. And since the 1960s up, we have seen that grow and increase. Uh, you can walk through Colorado. I was in Colorado last year. And you can openly sell them hemp right out of stores. Uh, one store I walked by near Colorado Springs, and a picture of a, a bunch of penguins all staggering around like they couldn't stand up right on the outside of their building. And this is what they're using to advertise it. So it's a, an acceptance not of... Uh, what is right, but what is wrong, uh, and it's a pharmacy of culture. It's an escapism culture to escape from the world around them. It's interesting that uh, article that you just uh, read. Uh, there's a video attached to it at the bottom of the page. Did you get to see that? Yes. And the guy is the. Uh, you can tell he's the ex hippie, and he's giving three reasons why he believes that that the marijuana should be legalized. And it isn't it interesting that the number one reason they recited, not whether it was morally wrong or right or anything like that, is that it could be taxed and bring a lot of revenue in. And isn't it true that every vice that we have out there, especially gambling, like Texas being right next to Oklahoma, Oklahoma is all about gambling, it's that you, they bring in, they could say they bring in money for revenue and that's a good thing. But they never address the real issue. Is taking drugs that ruin our body, destroy our mind, and separate us from Jesus Christ moral or not? And the obvious answer is it's immoral. And it's and it's and there's been studies that proves that marijuana is a gateway into cocaine and eventually things like crystal meth. Um, a lot I I watch intervention all the time on A and E, and I watch these people all start out with marijuana and it leads to something else. And so I looked it up, and sure enough, the study is overwhelming how marijuana use has started other trends into more dangerous drugs. And marijuana itself is a dangerous drug. And people go, well, what about alcohol? Well, alcohol and its abuses are a dangerous drug, too. Yet I look at the Old Testament where they did drink wine, or the New Testament, 
and Old Testament where they did drink wine, but they talk about alcoholism in excess. They talk about, you know, homosexuality. They talk about murder. They talk about fornicators. They talk about all these things that people do in excess. And so when when you look at these things that are gateway and abused one after another, I mean, there's just no good answer for it. If it brings in revenue for this country under especially an administration like this, that revenue is going to be squandered to the same people that smoke the pot anyway. They're just going to get money back in their pockets. Excellent so, point. Excellent point. Now, even sadder is uh, I have a friend of mine who, uh, growing up, she was in the New Age movement, and she would use various mind-altering drugs to help open herself up more to demon possession, which they would think ancient spirits would give them wisdom, which you know we know that's demon possession. Uh, the marijuana would be used for that. The pot would be used for that. They'd go particularly to meetings and then engage into the occult. So what we're not talking about here is an innocent understanding, oh, marijuana is good because it brings in tax revenue. I truly believe the people who are pushing marijuana know that the purpose of it is is because they know it will remove people's inhibitions and it will open them up. And they talk about this, that it frees their mind. Yes, it frees their mind, but it frees their mind from inhibitions, and it opens them up to the great chance of being demon-possessed. And my friend, when she, she to this day will look back with horror at times where she would feel the demons rummage around inside her head because she knew that this, these drugs would open her up to this. So there's, there, these people are, are, who are saying this, you've got to call it a spade for a spade. They're evil. They want to open up a whole new drug culture that will destroy the culture and bring about demon possession and occultism, and that's really the basis for this. It is, and it is something that is just so blindingly obvious to people like you and I, but (laughs) for some reason, the whole world, like when you put marijuana on the ballot, you know, it just feels like we've already kind of reached that point that you mentioned earlier in the show where we're just walking around like in Wall Lee, just a bunch of fat, dumb people. Um, yeah. Because when you put things like this on the ballot, it does get good support with people because they just aren't educated. They just don't know. And, you know, it's all those Ron Paul supporters out there, you know, voting hardcore. So. It's funny you mentioned that I had a big debate with my brother-in-law who, even though a solid Christian is a Ron Paul supporter. And his reasoning is that he believes drugs should be legalized because, one, it ends all the craziness with the the costs. And, again, it's all a cost argument. Well, look, we're spending billions of dollars on this war on drugs. Therefore, if we legalize it, it's okay. Or, you know, we're we're spending all – we could get all this money in tax revenue, and that's okay. Well, you know, it's kind of scary to think that Ron Paul is a doctor is supporting this. But it it misses the point. It's morally wrong. It's morally wrong to remove one's inhibitions and allow them to sin. And that's why the Bible speaks out against drunkenness, because drunkenness is just like the same. It removes our inhibitions and allows us to sin when we normally wouldn't do those sins. So these these people know what they're doing. They they know that what they're trying to do is promulgate evil. And it's, it's a sad state in our society that we become more accepting of it. Pretty smart for potheads, but that's the extent of their knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, they they know how to do that right. Yeah, they know how to do that right. That's it. As far as getting a job or anything, that's another story. Amen. We're on live here with Nathan Jones, Lamb and Lion Ministries. You can go to lamblion.com. We're going to take a quick break right here on Buffed Up Radio. We'll be right back with more from Nathan Jones. Matthew 24, 34 reads, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
Join us Wednesday night as Todd Strandberg, the founder of RaptureReady.com, and Terry James, author and editor for RaptureReady.com, discuss the events of the world that are fulfilling Bible prophecy every single day. Todd and Terry tackle all of the hot-button issues, including Israel news, global warming, and the leadership in America. The all-new Rapture Talk show is powerful biblical dialogue and moving Christian music. Join us every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and visit RaptureReadyRadio.com for show information. Welcome back to Buffed Up Radio tonight. Glad you all can be with us. The website, RaptureReadyRadio.com. We are on live right now here with Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan, we talked a lot about the decline of uh, America and around the world, and I want to continue to go down that path and then really spin it up with the prophetic angle from some information that you have on the blog on your website, which I want to direct people to. You go to lamblion.com, and on the far right there, um, there you'll see Nathan and I sitting on the far right. But no, you'll see links to the blog and news pages and definitely go there because Dr. David Reagan and Nathan Jones are constantly putting new material up there um, with going on in the world. So we're going to get into that too. But, you know, the Day of Silence happened on the same day as High Day. So I guess they coordinated that correctly because it's very, when you're high, it's very easy to be silent. But um, (laughs) the... uh, Is there any correlation? Because I know this Earth Day was the same day. What's up with that? Oh, that was just a miserable day. I was in a bad mood the whole day. Everywhere I went, I saw the day of silence and the high stuff and, you know, the green police out and telling me what to do. By ta- They tell me to take a shorter shower with the lights off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just I don't, I don't need you getting in my business like that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the cord, I don't see when you go to the various websites, I don't see any coordination it's, I just want to say that George Soros is probably behind it all. So <laughs> when you follow the money behind it, you could probably go to one place. It could be, yeah. This is um, a, a day, the day of silence was for kids who are in school who are homosexuals to not speak the whole day. And basically this causes a mass disruption in the school systems. And unfortunately for them, and fortunately for the rest of us, a lot of people didn't know about this. It's picking up some traction, but, you know, teachers even aren't putting up with this too much. And all they want is people to go to school and be quiet because they're trying to stop bullying of homosexuals. Um, Yet, you know, I posted on Facebook, here's this white guy got beat up by 20 black guys, and they said that was for Trayvon Martin, and he's currently right now today in the hospital. I put his picture up there. Um, The liberal retaliation can be either violent or disruptive, and this is another one that's disruptive. Um, You know, I have kids. If you want to handle a bully, you beat him up and make him respect you. They're trying to do it by disrupting everybody else's life instead of dealing with the actual issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, isn't that the core of the homosexual activist uh, strategy? It's, you know, they can make life difficult for everybody. They can be bullies and, and force you in the, the courts to accept uh, their version of what morality is. They can take away your rights to, to share Christianity on the street corners during their parades. But, you know, heaven forbid you say anything to them. It's purely a a hypocritical uh, strategy that they run. Uh, You know, 
between this Earth Day and the Weed Day and the uh, uh, homosexual agenda, you know what, uh, Matt, this makes me think of Romans chapter 1. I mean, Romans 1 explains exactly what's going on here. Is it okay if I read just a little bit of that? Yes, please do, because that's what we always tie it back into. The Bible has an answer for everything, and sure enough, this is explained as well. Yeah, uh, verse 18, it starts, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made, so that men are without excuse. In other words, creation in its complexity proves there is a God, but they reject God, and the verses continue. They neither glorified God nor gave thanks to him, and their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And you know what, Matt, that's exactly what we're seeing now, futile thinking, dark hearts. And what they did is they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like man. In other words, they turned around, and as it says here, they served created things rather than the creator. They turned on God, and now they're worshiping nature. They're nature worshiping. And when you do that, when your futile mind starts thinking like that, and this is the result, uh, morally. Verse 26, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even the women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. And it goes on to talk about how the due penalty of reversion is all the results of that, the diseases they get and things like that. So it, it talks about a depraved mind, and it goes on. Uh, verse 29, they become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on, and it concludes on verse 32. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Earth Day, Weed Day, the homosexual agenda... It can all be tied into this rejection of God that Romans 1 talks about. Amen. That's exactly right. And it's like a headline for what we see today. They take their dark hearts, they take their foolish minds and futile minds, and then turn it right to us and say, how come you don't accept this? We hate you because you don't. Exactly. And what they hate through us is, is God. They hate God. They hate God. Uh, it's interesting. I've had a lot of talking with atheists lately because of some of the videos we put on YouTube. And now and then they'll, they'll admit, they'll, they'll clear up all their arguments and their, their statements and their ad hominem attacks, and they'll finally make it clear. They know there's a God, but they reject God because God is going to send them to hell. They won't accept Jesus' salvation. They want a third method. They want God just to leave them alone. But that's not the truth. It, it's a shame, too, that their sin matters so much more to them than what God can give them in the way of eternal life and salvation and forgiveness, and that God loves us so much that he would sacrifice his own son to provide a way through faith that we could accept that. So it is a, it's a sad testimony of what a depraved mind does. It makes you, in effect, insane. And we're seeing that as the United States and the world, countries around the world are crumbling morally. It's the people want it to crumble morally, and that's another sign of a depraved mind. They want to see everything fall apart. And it, it must be a judgment that it, kind of a built-in self-destruct system that God's built into us, that when we become depraved mentally, we want to destroy ourselves, and that's a way of getting rid of all that immorality. Amen. That's exactly right. And so, yes, the liberal mind is a depraved mind and a psychotic mind. 
because you keep trying to do the same thing over and over again and you expect a different result. It's just the definition of insanity. I mean, it, it's crazy. The policies you see coming out, uh, take, for instance, the environmental policies. All right, the United States is getting into, what, near, near $15 trillion in debt, yet we have 400 years' worth of oil and natural gas underneath uh, United States soil. If we pulled that out and sold it, we would get rid of our debt. We would become a world leader, again, economically. We would not have to depend on our enemies to supply our oil and gas needs, and our country would be bountiful. But the depraved mind says that we must save the salmon or we need to save that tree is more important than us living in poverty and squalor and being subjected to our debtors. And they shoot down something like the Keystone Pipeline, which Obama did under great pressure by the environmentalists, and uh, we just see that that type of thinking is futile. It's self-destructive, and it eventually ends up putting us all into slavery. And history attests to that. It does attest to that in a way that you just can't imagine. Um, when when we go beyond that and talk about the Christianity Under Attack conference that, uh, that Lamb and Lion was a part of, I mean, we looked beyond the scope of you know, the stupidity of liberalism here, but we have the challenge of Islam, the challenge of humanism, and you mentioned atheism, which is growing. They're up to 15% in this country, yet as soon as some of them get to the top, they fall away and come to Christianity. The yeah. challenge of evolution, the challenge of apostasy, and you and I were talking um, on Facebook, too, and I was just, I've been doing a study through Acts right now, and it was Acts chapter 11 where, you know, uh, Peter um, was in Antioch uh, witnessing and, and talking to the people with Cornelius and you know the people were just amazed that Gentiles could be saved and you know that's where in Antioch the, the first Christians that's where they first called the apostles Christians and so once again it started off as a really good thing and then the, right after that you know John was talking about the church of Laodicea and so you got to think about the timeline there, which is really interesting. Here we just started Christianity, but we know that during the end times that all this will fall away into a church that spreads evil and tries to fill their pockets with gold and fill the seats and tickle their ears. They knew about that not a short time after the first group of Christians came about. It's just amazing that, you know, sometimes people don't look at it that way, but it wasn't much of a time difference when they first started and then knew exactly what was going to happen by the grace of God. Yeah, James Walker at our conference then challenged the, that challenge of apostasy, and he covered that pretty well. Uh, it, in reference to your uh, listeners, uh, what we do is, uh, as a ministry, have a big conference every year. It's always held at the end of June. And last year, was our, our theme was Christianity Under Attack. And we had a, a number of speakers come. We had uh, Kirby Anderson talk about the challenge of Islam, Ron Rhodes, the challenge of atheism. Uh, John Morris, The Challenge of Evolution, uh, James Walker, like I mentioned, The Challenge of Apostasy, Frank Wright, The Challenge of Government, and then Dr. Reagan kind of summed it all up that we have the promise of victory. As bad as it looks right now out there, and being attacked by all these different types of isms and, and thoughts and, and depravities is that we do as Christians have the promise that Jesus will return. He will rapture the church, and he will come back and have victory over all his enemies, and at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, he will have victory over Satan. And we will enter the eternal state without sin, without death, without evil anymore, with Jesus as King of kings and Lords of lords. We win, 
And that's the message of Bible prophecy. And I'm glad we ended a conference that was all about how bad things are out there with such a positive message about how in the end we win this war. And that's the the beauty of it, and that's the glory of Jesus Christ himself, because not only did he take our sins on the cross with him, I saw a Facebook post earlier today that says, yes, Christianity is a bloody religion. Look at all the blood that was left on the cross, because our sins were put on that cross, and our Savior is risen. I can take you to the grave of Muhammad, I can take you to the grave of Buddha, and there there they rest. Um, not really resting anymore, but uh, their body is. And yet we show an empty tomb, and we can show you an empty tomb, and we can talk about how our book, our Bible, our guidebook in life is the most popular book in history because God said the, the the gospel will be preached to the four corners of the earth. It will happen. You can spit in the face of Christianity, but you can't deny that it's going to be preached everywhere, and that's what we've seen today. But, you you know, you just look at this, and you look at the decline, and what we have here is people, you know, talking about how we are going to lose. And, and that Newsweek article that you guys had on the website right there under the banner for Christianity Under Attack, which says the decline and fall of Christian America, you know, that's not going to happen because in the end... With our glorious leader, we do have victory in him. We have victory in our personal lives now, and in the end we have victory for eternity with him. Wonderful. Excellently said. It's tough to live in this culture, to see and be in our society and the downward slope of it, to watch something as wonderful as the United States, founded on Christian beliefs, founded on godly men, fall apart so quickly. I you know, I used to read uh, in the Old Testament and still marvel at it, is that, you know, in Israel, you'd have this generation that was really devout to the Lord, and then you'd have the next generation, which is, you know, kind of okay, wishy-washy, and then you had the third generation, which was totally apostate. And I remember growing up reading, I'm thinking, well, how, how could they be so dumb? How could that possibly be? And now older, I'm looking at the United States, I'm like, wow, we've done the same thing in three generations. It's that easy to, for a nation to leave God and fall apart. To the point where you get to the fourth generation, they haven't even heard of God anymore, and they don't know how to respond back to Him. So it's it is truly sad to see the fall of our society. But we know that the United States was never meant to be forever. Uh, none or no nation on the earth is meant to be forever, because when Jesus comes back, He will set up His kingdom on earth for a thousand years, and it will be under His authority and His rulership. And the nations, and there will be nations, the Bible says. I don't know if it will be like the nations are today. We know uh, Egypt and Syria will still continue to be a national entity, and Israel, of course. But will the United States exist Excuse me, in in the Millennial Kingdom? We don't know, but we know that no nation that's made by human hands will survive. The, The giant stone that destroys the world empires, like we read about in Daniel, is Jesus Christ. And he will set up his kingdom, and no human kingdom will ever stand against it. Amen, that's exactly right. And that's why you hear Christians talking so much about a firm foundation. It's more firm than any rock laid by man and that will be destroyed in the wrath of the Lamb. <laughs> Earthquake, anyway, you, nothing is more firm than the foundation we have with, with the, our Lord Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of God. Now, um, we talked about that conference last year. June is fast approaching us. And talk about the conferences that you have coming up here. Well, we have a conference at the end of June. It's June 29th and 30th, and the theme for this one is Israel in the End Time. 
we're holding it here in uh, Dallas, Texas area, and uh, folks can register. It's free. Uh, we do have a banquet, a special meal, and then Dr. Reagan uh, gives a presentation, and that costs $35, and you have to register for that. But other than that, uh, we're going to have Dr. Reagan, and he's going to be speaking twice. Uh, he's going to give a total overview of Israel and prophecy, and uh, he's going to talk about re you know the era of replacement theology, that idea that the church has taken all the promises of Israel. We're going to have uh, Jeff Seitz talk about the Arabs and Israel, Mark Hitchcock, uh, Israel in the Tribulation, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, which, I mean, what an intellect, Arnold Fruchtenbaum. He's going to talk about Israel and the Millennial Kingdom. Uh, Gary Frazier, talk about the salvation of Israel. And Bill Koenig, who wrote uh, Eye to Eye, he's going to talk about the United States and Israel. And that, that if you're really into politics, uh, Bill Koenig had an excellent inside track on that. And then we'll have music from Ted Pierce. And Ted's great. He's a ministry uh, uh, family almost. And uh, he's going to do all the Messianic music along with Jack Hollingsworth. So I just invite anybody to come out and check out our website, lamblion.com. We have the an ad right on the home page there. You can click through and get all that information about the conference. And we'd love to have you all come and, and uh, learn and, and just rejoice in the Lord with us. Well, we've had many of these guys on the show before, and what is neat is when we talk to them and, and everyone gets excited, I mean, it's really nice when you can go to a, a conference and all these individuals are in one place. So bring your pad and paper and get ready for an overload of information because it's a really good event. I know Todd Strandberg, the founder of Rapture Ready, he just loves going. This is one of his favorite conferences to go to throughout the year. And uh, he goes down there, and it's just so much information, but it's so true. When you walk out of there and when you can hear all of, especially when you're talking about Israel in the end times, I mean, if you don't believe in God and look at how this country is as small as New Jersey and big countries around it want to wipe it off the planet, yet it still stands there, that's more evident than as far as physical scientific evidence as you can get. So hear about Israel in Bible prophecy, and you are in for a great treat. It's in Allen, Texas there, so not too far outside of Dallas. How, about how far away is that outside of Dallas? It, it's really just a suburb of Dallas. Yeah, okay, very Correctly. good. Yeah, and you know what's great about these conferences is that, you know, you're not just listening to the speaker, but then you can talk to them at their tables and ask them questions. And the fellowship at these conferences, I just love the fellowship. Like I said, you know, we see Todd there, and he's always got some funny shirt on, so he sticks out like a sore thumb. He always and, does. <laughs> yeah, great. And you can meet all these other Bible prophecy teachers, even the, the people that uh, you're used to hearing speak all the time. They might attend, even though they're not speakers, and you could talk to them, like Don McGee and Don Perkins and guys like that. So it's just... It's a great gathering of, uh, with you know, brothers and sisters. I feel like it's a little taste of heaven, frankly, when we're up there someday and, and we're amongst our brothers and sisters and we're there listening to Moses teach us and David teach us and Jesus himself teach us. Uh, you know, it's just a little taste of that. Amen. That's excellent. So go to lamblion.com, register today, and go to the banquet because it's more of an intimate setting. So you get to hear Dr. Reagan speak at that, too and enjoy a nice meal and have some good fellowship. So we are unfortunately out of time today. Nathan Jones, Lamb and Lion, he's the web minister there. I very much appreciate you coming back on the show. You're starting to become a regular, usually about this time every year we've had you on, so it's very good to have you back with us. My pleasure. I just love talking to you, Matt, and love what you guys are doing with Rapture Ready Radio. All right. Thank you very much, and good night, and God bless everybody. We'll see you next time right here on Buffed Up Radio on Rapture Ready Radio.